Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, these are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So, without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. What is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are? Okay. Um, I, uh, I did a deep dive on, uh, John Fetterman. Um, just, uh, F- John Fetterman, if you don't know, is a Lieutenant governor of, uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. And, uh, his wife was, um, oh, right. Separate a, a racial, uh, verbal assault right. in, uh, the, the supermarket. She is Brazilian. So naturally, Somebody cornered her in the supermarket and uh, yelled the N-word at her repeatedly and um, followed her into the parking lot. And um, so then I looked uh, up Fetterman and I I ask everyone with a phone right now to do so, um, because this man, um, he He looks looks like a bad guy from Mulan. Yes, he definitely looks like he stole a correction officer's uniform and used it to escape prison. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's wild. It's an aggressive. Yeah. That, them as a couple, I'm like, hold on. There's uh, certain things wow. where like he's got a really, really intense be- uh, goatee. Yeah. Um, and he's also got the same vibe of Jaws from James Bond. Yeah, right. Um, like kind of lurching yeah. around, like very yeah. big. It's got, yeah, look at that. Wow. Like that yeah, guy, for sure. if that person, assailant, had known what this woman's husband looked like, <laughs> uh, I'm assuming. They, I think she did. I think if she knows what that guy's wife looks like, right. I think he pro- she probably knows. Um, but uh, no, he went to Harvard. I, he didn't. He didn't escape from prison. No, he's like yeah. on paper, like a really chill guy. <laughs> You're like he worked with the big brothers and big sisters uh, and like got obsessed with the idea of like your birth being a random lottery for your outcomes and things like that. And how that affects his idea of fairness. But he wow. looks scary as fuck. Yeah, he just never changed his look. That's uh, dope. You know, more power. To Why him. should he? Why should he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he doesn't need to. There's yeah. just something even like when you look at his Wikipedia page, he's like looks just so underdressed for whatever official photo this is. Like it's clearly his bureaucrat, like yearbook photo where he goes to the Capitol and like, yeah. this is like a Lieutenant governor and he's wearing like a rayon safari shirt. Not happy <laughs> to be there. I would say it's like one of Quicksilver's nicest button ups. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's definitely a uh, top level billabong, but his <laughs> smirk definitely says that he wasn't smiling and the can the, the photographer was like, Come on, Lieutenant Governor, give us a little something more. And he just went, hmm. Like, right. just, I will raise the corners of my mouth flatly. Oh, right. we're out of time. All right. Thanks, John. Oh, man. man. I did not bother to look. Yeah. Cause I read that headline and usually in my morning, I'm like, okay, where's my daily dose of racism? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> God, the fucking Lieutenant Governor's wife. But yeah, I did not connect. Thank you for uh, doing that little bit of work to get yeah, us to so. see the, the whole picture. Wow. Yeah, the the closest he comes to smiling is looking a little bit pissed off. That's <laughs> as as far as he goes. Just uh, a little bit pissed off. Right. So that's nice. Yeah. What is something you think is overrated? Okay, I'm annoyed with this shit. I hate it. Um, like stealing content online bugs the shit out of me because mm. 
Why? Like comedians because. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my favorite comedian is the Fat Jew, and oh, I think great. he's underrated. I agree. He's a tastemaker. He's the Scorsese of <laughs> of tweet stealers. Yeah, he's a tastemaker. It's just I don't know. It's so annoying because like I've gotten to know more like online personalities, and it's like I don't know. You just like fuck. Like this affects their income like directly it affects like their opportunities directly and so i've started to tell my like non-comic friends i'm like unfollow this fake ass account they stole my friend's tweets and my non-comic friends like don't care yeah they like don't they're just like i don't care i like the follow it's a good follow and i'm like these are people behind these accounts that are just benefiting off of like my friend's work like what are you doing right so it's been bugging the shit out of me like a lot of them a lot of those like content curators, which what the fuck are you talking? Like it, yeah. it sounds like an like an art gallery, but for dick jokes. Like what are you doing? <laughs> right. Um, these content curators, some of them will like pay or like ask and tag your thing, but like a lot of them just like take shit. Yeah, and, and even then, the tag, like, sure, but at the end of the day, they're guaranteeing, like, impressions or a certain amount of interaction, which makes them more, you know, attractive to people who'd want to pay for sponsored posts and things like that, and that whole ecosystem, it's all tied together, but I can only imagine, yeah. like, trying to get someone to care about, like, how this kind of joke theft or content theft, like, actually affects humans in real life, because... It's like another layer. Someone like too many people already don't even understand how their like labor is being exploited. So then on top yeah. of it, like, hey, you know that fucking thing you stare at with your mouth open and giggle at? That's also fucking someone. I'm like, what do you? It's just memes. It's just memes. Right? Yeah. It's just pictures. Somebody makes those fucking memes. What do you also, mean? I'm like, just giving sixty hours of my life for fucking nothing. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's just work. It's all good. It's it's also like. I don't it's like how like we all are trying to like raise our social media whatever like we try to like tweet and like put up content or whatever I can't imagine like I hate that part I hate the part of like like I love tweeting I love coming up with jokes I love whatever but I hate the part where you're like you have to screenshot and then post it on Instagram and then post that to your store like the business part of it where yeah. like you're trying to like get more followers I fucking hate that part so imagine that's like that's all your job is, is right. to like, but like what kind of bro rotted brainwormy like thing, if that's all you do, you don't even come up with a creative part. <laughs> right. right. I can't imagine what a dinner conversation would be like with you. <laughs> like, but I feel like that's the direction so much of our culture is going, like sort of the uh, curating, like valuing people who are good at like curating things and like finding uh, cool things out of like a just massive amount of information. Like I don't think it's great, but I do, I do feel like that is just generally like the values that have taken hold in general. Like on social media, yeah. like like memes come from a book that was literally it's the book that introduced the idea of genes, also introduced the idea of memes, and it's just like. A meme is like this disembodied idea where the whole goal of the idea is to reproduce itself. And it like that book, like Richard Dawkins didn't write about it as like, you know, and that's intellectual property. It was just like this disembodied thing where like if the idea that is created is replicable, then it is a successful meme. But it, it's just weird. There, There is like an inherent contradiction there. Yeah. Especially when you're a really talented writer who is 
putting your talents into creating something and then it just reproduces out of control and people remove uh, the author's name from it, which is annoying and nobody should ever do. Dana Donnelly, um, who's been on this podcast before, had like a really great tweet that I like have like I've always like thought that, but she put it into words and it was about how like if not enough people I forget exactly what she said, but if like if not enough people replicate it, then it's stealing. But if enough people do it, then it's a meme. Right. Like, you know right. what I mean? So it's like it's, it's but I think that that's like slight. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where that threshold is, but I, I think even beyond that, like with memes, like people like change the punchline. They change. They try to come up with like clever right. ways. But this like screenshotting and just like posting it onto your own thing with that, like that's like you get money for that. That's right. like like that's more obvious of like a fucked up thing. Let's yeah. at least start there. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, but that's almost like bringing like a cell phone camera to a movie and taping it on your cell phone and yeah. then hooking your phone up to a projector at your own janky the theater. And people are like, yeah, man, I love Charging this place. Price. And you're like, yo, <laughs> this is the shitty version of the real one. Over What the fuck yeah. are you doing? They're like, I don't know. I just it's less less to think about. I follow this one thing. I don't have to, to. Yeah. But then there's also the thing where everybody has the same idea at the same time and it seems like they're uh, copying off each other. I forget which news story involving Trump. uh, Oh, I think it was when he tested positive for COVID. And like I saw 30 people tweet, I did not see that coming, like Nazi, but Nazi. Oh, yeah. And uh, at first I was like, oh, man, they're like, ripping each other off but then as more and more people made that exact same joke i was like wow it's just our brains are all like the same i've tried to recently and there's like some people i've made friends with some twitter people and some of us have this attitude of like well like i i've deleted viral tweets where it was parallel thought Mm -hmm. because you want your jokes to be like unique right? right So I've started doing that. And before I with stand up, I used to not do that as much. I used to be like, well, we both thought of it. We're going to deliver it in a different way. It's going to be a different thing. Um, But now with like tweets, I'm like, oh, it's like the exact same line. Like, I don't want someone to look up this joke and then see like 30 other people (laughs) make this joke. So like there have been ones that have been like like it was on the way up and it looked like it would hit like maybe 100K in the next day. And I just like deleted it because somebody with like 900 followers also did it or whatever. Right. But it's like so I, I have that attitude. I know like a lot of other people don't. But I'm like, why wouldn't you want your feed to be like, why wouldn't you if you're a creative, if you're like making the content, yeah. like you don't you don't want to have hack jokes, you know? So like I will just tell my friends, I'm like, hey, by the way, somebody else did this joke and then like leave it up to them to the, to delete. But like, I know there, there are a few of us who are like, oh, yeah, I'm deleting that immediately because it's not right. unique. Totally. I don't know. Um, it's hard. But I think you're right in think. terms of like stand up, because that's a thing that also like began being policed incredibly strictly uh the, like if people had like similar observations yeah. and it's just like but i mean at a certain point like a lot of it is who is saying it and how they're saying it and, yeah for sure i mean and like the context and like the uh, yeah a lot of us are coming up with like very similar ideas it's like i think stand up has more flexibility and like how in all of those things yeah what is something you think is overrated This is something I've been banging the drum about for like four straight years. The concept of gaffes, as in like when a politician or a candidate says something dumb in public, those like the concept that that's something that matters and and will actually sink a candidate. (laughs) Trump has killed that forever. Okay. And I'm, I'm glad because Twitter loves this. If Trump misspells a word in a tweet, that misspelled word will trend all day. 
And I'm telling you, I watched for three and a half years when everyone was like, oh, Confefe, that's going to be the thing that alerts America that this man is a moron. It doesn't work like that anymore. The average American actually finds it kind of endearing when you're not polished as a politician. For whatever reason, in the modern era, we, we, we kind of like it when they screw up. And it was the same thing in the primaries. And they're like, Biden is a gaffe machine. He, he can't string together two sentences without getting the name of the city he's in wrong or something like that. Nobody cares. Let that be dead forever. Because what happened with Trump, where his numbers didn't, it took a worldwide apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> to make his approval move down by like the four points it required to give the other candidate a lead and some kind of substantial lead in the polling. Right. Right. But the, yeah. the 20,000 gaffes he committed did not do that at all. Yeah. Just in general, it's like, seems like nothing even attacks from the right about like the behavior of politicians who are Democrats. It's just like they ring so hollow. And it's like, I, I think this is, we're past all of this now because you're so craven over there. Like the fact that, Europe said, I'm having a failure to connect the outrage that the, the people on the right have, you know, like for even like with the Hunter Biden things where they're like, oh, this will get them. And it's like, no, th everyone's completely numb to everything. Actually, I feel like it, it might motivate your base, but I don't know if it's gonna have that effect of like, oh, God, did you guys see this thing? It's lights out for them, huh? Right. There was an underage a woman who had claimed that Trump had sexually assaulted her when she was underage, that that story just came and went. Yeah. in a blip like no one listening even knows what i'm talking about like it just like something that would have been a showstopper 20 years ago and then the new york times did this huge breakdown about how trump was basically just using the white house to divert money to his businesses and they right. probably devoted one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in resources and reporting and man hours putting it together and no it, it trended for like an hour i, right. I saw a few like political types on twitter tweeting it's like oh this is great reporting it's a great breakdown of, of the the level of corruption here. Eh. Yeah, yeah. The, the the fly on Mike Pence's head trended longer than than that. <laughs> right. I mean, but that thing was hilarious. Did you see that thing? It was it was sitting there and it didn't even leave. Dude, longboarding to dreams. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I do think that it's some sometimes, like because people do do say that Hillary Clinton's email like the the fact that comey opened up reopened that investigation a week before the election had an impact on on voters and i think it's something to do with like how the negative story interacts with like what we suspect about that person and or like what people suspect and like what the overall negative feelings are like with the rick perry thing where he couldn't name anything like he's just couldn't <laughs> remember anything like that interacted with the fact that he's clearly like not not smart and like propped up by uh speech writers and uh you know then they make him start wearing glasses after that smart my man um, but with hillary that's the thing is that that was the culmination of literally 20 however many years since, since <laughs> right. 1992 20-some years of anti-Hillary anti-Clinton the Clintons right. are corrupt hatred like if you were in conservative circles in the 90s you had like the Clinton murder list like the mm -hmm. list of 49 people that Hillary and Bill Clinton had murdered together right they arranged a plane crash was one of them and uh, like car accidents like this made them and in conservative circles like that they were these deeply corrupt people 
So that even though the emails didn't say anything, it was just a signal to people who were already ready to hate her. And I think that's one lesson we have about 2016 now is that probably any other candidate, even one chosen at random, probably squeaks out that election. Right. Um, But they just uniquely hated Hillary so much uh, for a bunch of reasons. Some of it sexism, some of it the Clintons, but... Yeah, she was like the like in terms of her negatives and all that. It, she was, it was a case they were kind of like asking people to hold their nose and vote for her, and that's one reason why this year is different. People genuinely do like Biden, like, the, but you know, again, it's the contrast with him and Trump is just so strong that right. maybe anybody would have the the same effect. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. Then I also wanted to mention that cops, you know, earlier in the year, because of the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, movements across the country that were pointing out just the injustices around policing in America, cops was canceled by the Paramount Network. Right. And that it has quietly been uncanceled with regards to uh, foreign distribution. So distribution in any non-American market, they're still going to be making it. And then who knows like how it's going to be distributed in the U.S. I'm sure they'll find U.S. channels. They're like, well, if you get BBC America, then you get cops. Right. (laughs) Like, wait, what? Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, now it's just like, oh, but we're still in the market of exporting copaganda. Right. Uh, If you're interested in that for your uh, burgeoning authoritarian state uh, where you want the police to walk around like militarized goons. So cool. But I like how it's just sort of like we cancel, but it's just for international. It's just for international. We know it's illegal here. Okay, (laughs) we know this is totally illegal and not cool to do here, but just cross the border. It's for Canada. Yeah. And it also same company. So it's still like, you know. That that gesture was just kind of performative wokeness. No, performative gestures <laughs> yeah. in such a critical moment regarding the civil rights of black people and other minorities. God damn Pep- it. What Pepsi is this Co, place? Uh, who uh, made a big deal about retiring Aunt Jemima. And, uh, of course, the, the right made a huge deal about it because right. you know, they love to have... Uh, have stories like that where they can be like, ah, I mean, come on, what's next? <laughs> uh, according to one executive, uh, they still haven't actually uh, retired Aunt Jemima. According to one right. executive, it's because get ready to feel queasy. During these trying pandemic <laughs> times, customers are still looking for the Aunt Jemima products they know and love. So, wow. Yeah. So, we've, yeah, rather than using the terrible trope of Aunt Jemima, we've rebranded to Mammy's Pancakes. Right. It's like, oh no, they're doubling down. It's, uh, yeah, of course. Of course. It's in the end, it's like any company is like, look, we would sever ties with the racist tumor of our business, but it's part of our business and it generates money and money is our God, not fairness. So. Sorry. Yeah, I think that that's a, kind of the reality that people just have to kind of, you know, uh, money money pretty much guides. I mean, if if it wasn't profitable for them, you know, yeah, 
uh, they wouldn't be doing it. And and the fact that, that I think the scary part to me is just that it's still continuously, even even as bad as it is, it still continues to be profitable, meaning that there are people out there who are buying it and they're finding it viable enough to continue. The- I wonder if they just said they called it fucking, they did a Lady Antebellum type rebrand and they called them right. AJ's Pancakes or Auntie J's. And right. it's just text. There's no face. Are people going to be like, where the fuck did it go? Where's right. the fuck? Ah, I guess I'm going to buy some really, other that, brand. That's a really good idea. Like what? That's a really good idea. Where the, like what's actually. the psychology of the consumer that they're concerned about? Like in this thing, we're like in these times, people need their racist these pancakes. Times. I, it's, I, I think it's just, I think it's people's like, um, uh, romantic connection with memory. The, you know, and it comes down to this thing where it's just like, oh, you're gonna take this. Now, what else are you gonna take? You take my my mom, take away my childhood, my mom. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can I could take away GI Joe for a lot of those guys right now. You know what I mean? And they would hate me for it. But that's like one of the most racist cartoons <laughs> on the on the fucking planet. Right. Like, I and 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 I know this as a brown person because I remember watching it as a kid. You know, and then there was like. Uh, um, like I remember every time uh, we would play GI Joe, like with the with my friends, I would I could only be Cobra, only because Cobra had this thing where they remember that where they go Cobra, la, 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 la. Yeah, remember that? Right. Oh wow! And and I thought about it and I was like, oh, that's supposed to be us, wow, right, you know right, what I mean? right, like, right. There and Cobra's base was always in the desert, mm-hmm. and it was like it was clearly like this programming Cobra, of like, famously American Cobra. snake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Right. It was just uh it was like this but it 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 bothered me and I remember like feeling so sad as a kid cuz I I did like GI Joe. Right. You know what I mean? But I didn't want to feel like I was always going to be painted as the enemy. So, but that I mean there's just there's just a shit ton of that stuff. Yeah. Man. Shit ton of and that I mean, stuff I, from back in the day. I think what uh, their research is probably telling them, you know, and their research being listening to the beginning of this episode of this podcast, uh, <laughs> that people are, you know, drawn and especially especially during these trying times, mm-hmm. people are drawn to, you know, uh, nostalgia. There, There's a General Mills thing that's happening that we talked about in a recent episode where they are uh, going back to original recipe uh, breakfast cereal on like all their on Golden Grams and... Oh Cocoa, yeah, cocoa puffs and all these things that we didn't know they had changed the recipe on, but just being like it's gonna taste like childhood was Don't enough worry. to. It's gonna taste uh, like your parents are together, but that part where they were <laughs> fighting a bunch and about to get divorced. <laughs> right. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Like I think I'd be right. Like, I haven't touched breakfast cereal in a long time, but that makes me feel like, oh man, I think I'm gonna try that. If Donald Trump was smart. He know. would campaign on that. He's like, we're gonna make it feel like back when. Remember your parents were together. <laughs> remember that shit. Yeah, you that like time, that, baby. Cereal. It's gonna be like that. You, just... you didn't even worry about shit, did you? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's that's. Hilarious. But yeah, I mean, in these trying times, you know, as uh, Black Americans struggle for equality. We want our customers to retreat to the safe harbors of the antebellum South and chattel slavery. Right. Yeah. They're demanding that the market uh, basically uh, regulate itself, which has never, ever worked. Um, I mean, yeah, memories, I guess guess retro Jordans, too, that's kind of profiting off memories, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've been regressing, though, so I was ready for it all. I've been, (laughs) it's been 1996 in my mind for many years. 
Hell yeah. Hilarious. I'm going to uh, go put the Fuji's the score on right now. Uh, I did want to talk about uh, this story that I think doom scrollers everywhere uh, noticed, mm-hmm. which is a gentleman by the name of Robert Cahaley, who was one of the only pollsters that predicted Trump's win in 2016. And, you know, there are a handful. Most of them are predicting that this time is different. Robert Cahaley is saying, nah, we've got another, we got another one coming. It's a re-up. Uh, yeah. uh, he's going to win. Yeah, I mean, his whole thing in 2016 was that he said a lot of pollsters weren't, he has like his own method where he's trying to, he asks other questions to try and nail down who this person might be. And, you know, his the big thing that he always talks about is this idea of um, like social acceptance or social desirability bias and how that affects people's response in a lot of things. And he said that, In fact, in 2020, he thinks it's like a worse take to have now to say you're supporting the president, that he's trying to adjust for that as well. Um, But one of the big things he was saying is like, you know, a lot of the polls say Biden's going to win Georgia or Florida or North Carolina or like, you know, leading. And he's like, that's all fucking there's no way he's just saying Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, Ohio, Texas, Arizona. They're they're not nailed on for Biden, like by any stretch of the imagination, despite what the polls are saying. And he predicts Trump will win in all of those states. Um, and he was also saying that the, you know, while he has lost a lot of support, you know, he was saying like, yeah, he's lost a lot of support with suburban women. Uh, he's lost some support with the elderly, but he has picked up support with black and Latino voters. Surprisingly, he said he was really like, it's, it's gone up slightly. Um, so there is some movement in that area, but you know, with all that to say, I was just there. I'm like, we got Jason on. So, you know what? just, I'll, 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 I'll put that down. And let us discuss that because yes, he he feels very strongly that this there's there's not much there, not much difference uh, between the two. This is for one thing. No one who gives an answer answer to this is not somewhat motivated in the reasoning. Like I don't want mm-hmm. I don't want to give anyone a reason to not vote. And obviously, people who are afraid of tr- a second Trump term are also very afraid of saying anything that causes people to maybe be to relax. And and so there's a motivation to kind of in those channels to kind of boost anyone who's saying, Hey, Trump's chances are better than you think because you want people to go out and vote. It it does from the early voting. It appears people were going to have like record turnout, like, and anything can happen. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the whole issue that I I like Nate Silver. I know a lot of people have grown to hate him. What I like about him is he's one of the few people that points out that, look, we have not had that many presidential elections period in the modern era, in the polling era and in the mass media era you're only talking about the ones going back to what, 1960 the era in which TV has been a thing. Mm -hmm. Like that's just, that's a small sample size. And this is why. And so anybody who says, well, you know, because you hear this, these headlines like, well, no president has ever lost when the unemployment has been blank or or this guy who's predicted four straight elections, you know, says blank is going to happen. And in every case, it's a really small sample size in every election. You know, they used to consider it an almost an extreme scenario that you would have a popular vote in electoral college split like we just had. And I don't remember anybody predicting that Hillary would win by 3 million votes and lose the Electoral College. But now that it's happened, it makes perfect sense. It's like, oh, yeah, this is kind of baked in that, you know, like the Electoral College has like a conservative slant because it gives more preference to rural voters. Right. So knowing that. 
Yeah, it's not. They've in the simulations they run at five thirty eight. They've got somewhere. I think Biden wins by like six points and still loses the electoral college because of so many of the votes are concentrated in California or whatever states he flips, and then Trump narrowly wins all these others, and that can do it. It's mathematically possible. It's just that virtually every other polling agency other than this guy disagrees because the whole the whole concept of people being reluctant to give like an unpopular answer that's being that's been a part of polling methodology going back to the dawn of polls like this is a an ongoing problem they actually have algorithms where they try to uh, you know account for it i've got a link here we can include in the footnotes water footnotes. from 538 when they talk about that the issue is not one it's i don't know how many trump supporters you know they tend to not be shy Right, (laughs) and and this guy's saying well yeah but in a blue state they'd be afraid to admit that they're but these polls are not conducted on the street in front of their their liberal friends they're they're often anonymous online surveys and a blue a biden supporter in deep red alabama you could say the same thing like they're they're afraid to come out as like that's a place where you put a biden sign in your yard and somebody's gonna shoot it with a shotgun so again it the reason people like this narrative is because of this this kind of thing that liberals are so mean to Trump supporters, um, and we're and the the cancel culture and whatever the whatever they throw around like these people are so vicious that everyone's afraid they're that they to admit they support Trump. That I mean, Trump is running ahead of a lot of Republican Senate candidates. He, he's running ahead of of Congress, so. If that's, if that's the case, you would think you would have those same Republicans saying, oh, yeah, I support blank for Senate, but I won't vote for that filthy criminal Trump, even though they secretly are. You're not getting that. You're getting the opposite answer. So anything can happen. Again, uh, every time you say something like this on Twitter, you immediately get a wave of answers like, don't get complacent. Please right, right. don't get complacent. I'm telling you, it, there are many, many motivated Trump voters. It's just that it would be much weirder if he won now than if he had then winning in 2016. 2016 was unlikely. I think if you redo that election, he wins it three times and loses seven. This time, it's it would be much stranger. Mm. So just going off of 538, because I agree their methodology is more valid than a lot of the other ones. There's still, and I think rightly so, they still have a sizable chance that he wins. It's not like it's 13 in 100. Is is what they currently have it at. They currently give him a eight in ten chance that Biden wins the popular vote but loses the electoral college. So it's, it, wait, eight in ten that he wins the popular. Eight, sorry, sorry, lose. eight in a hundred. So eight oh. percent, and then five percent chance that Trump wins both the electoral college and the popular, and popular vote. Right. So that's what happened the first time. I think we look for polls to do something that they can't do. Like last time, I think heading into the election, it was high 30% chance that Trump would win. So he's still an underdog, but that's not that much of an underdog. Like if a baseball player going up to bat bats over 300, that is a good hitter. You you're going to are the not surprised. Game. Yeah, you're not surprised at all if he gets a hit. And this is... A one in ten or a thirteen in a hundred chance is not likely, uh, but it's also you know it's a thing that sometimes Reasonable. happens. Like if a yeah. pitcher gets up in baseball and gets a hit, like you see that 
all the time. That happens all the time if you watch a lot of baseball. So I don't know. I just think that like anything can happen. Those states that he talks about Trump winning, like that that are being granted to Biden, are all very close in the 538 uh, polling averages. And even if Trump wins Texas, Ohio, Georgia, uh, Iowa, North Carolina, Arizona, and Florida, he would still lose if Biden won Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, right. He has to be, has to basically sweep everything where he's down by a few points. Right. So you need a polling error that is somehow wrong across demographic groups across states, which again, which happens. Yeah. Happen. I mean, they've made the point uh, that when it's not like these are all independent variables, right? It's not like if suddenly he overperforms by six points in Ohio, it would be it would require him to equally unlikely overperform by six points in Pennsylvania. It's like, no, they're responding to the same condition that was true across Ohio and Pennsylvania and Florida, which is what happened in the last election. But those are all things they take into account. Uh, they're all things that can happen, which is why Biden, they were not the ones who in the 2016 election were like, yeah, Trump has less than a one in 100 chance of winning. Yeah. They were like, no, it's like he's an underdog, but it could easily happen. And it did. They were, um, yeah. Some of the pundits, the way they were talking, felt like the halftime of game six of the NBA finals were like the Lakers were had such a lead. We're like at halftime. They're like, yeah, credit to the Miami Heat. Uh, they really, <laughs> yeah, just they like were really fought on. hard. And I was like, yo, yo, don't do this shit right now. <laughs> right, like, let right. the game fucking end. And it, it has like this similar feeling. But yeah, I think I think most people still have that trauma of feeling like the polls are accurate. And I think at the, at the end of the day, all you can do is just try and uh, get as much turnout as possible. But the one yeah, thing, I, anything can happen. The one thing I think they're vastly underrating, the, they say uh, a four in 100 chance that the election hinges on a recount. Um, I think that we're very likely to see Trump and the Republicans and Fox News find a way to invalidate uh, states where it's close or even not that close, but they will find ways to throw question on a bunch of votes and claim voter fraud. And, you know, it's just something Republicans have done before. And this is an administration and a Republican Party that no longer is required to hide it when they're wrong or when they're doing something illegal. Like they have lost all, uh, you know, any tether to accountability. So why wouldn't they do that? Yeah, it's like a case where if like, let's say you're in the NBA finals game where for some reason, according to some rule, we have to win by 15 points. Right. Yeah, exactly. it's not it can't be close. We can't win by one by one vote. And I'm, I don't know if the Republicans in your audience hate it. If I keep saying we like we're on the by part of the Biden administration. But it's yeah, it, it's a case Our, where it, it, it has to be a, a big it doesn't have to be a landslide, but it's got to be enough that on election night we pretty much know and that there's not enough of a where, where there's not it's not close enough to trigger any recounts or anything like that. It's got to be. You know, seven points in Pennsylvania, you know, maybe three points in Florida, like where even if all those that where they won by two, one, two, three points, where it still wouldn't get him to right. to 270 or whatever. It's got to right. be an overwhelming victory. So it's 
it yeah that that's what i'm nervous about it's not uh, it's it would be stunning to me if trump got more votes that would mean something truly weird had happened and especially the fact that 10 percent of the people have already voted there's something like 17 million votes in already yeah um what i'm more alarmed by is that it's it has to be by a comfortable margin if you want this to do what it's going to do which is truly be a rebuke to trump and truly send the message that doing it the way trump did it is not a model for future Republicans, like having, you know, an attorney general that's just your attack dog. Right. Like this is not a model that works. I don't right. want I don't want Tucker Carlson to be out there dreaming of running in twenty twenty four as like Trump, but a little bit more media savvy, a little bit smarter and younger. I don't I don't want that. I want this to I want it to obliterate the idea that this is a good way to function as a president. Yeah. That is the th- a thing that's being talked about a, a lot on the right is Tucker Carlson, uh, the future Republican presidential candidate. I mean, um, he'll, he'll do great. Yeah, he's. <laughs> uh, I I mean, he probably will. I mean, he uh, will because there is some actual like, you know, racist asshole with his shit together that's looking at Trump. He's like, "You're fucking this all up, man." Yeah, he's like, "This." Oh, isn't it could have been so it. much. It could have been so much worse if Trump actually yeah. knew what he was doing. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I know those people are like rubbing their mitts for another bite of that apple. Right. So f- Tucker Carlson's already done the, uh, you know, populist economic thing. That Trump like made uh, head fakes towards populist economic policies, but didn't uh, embrace them at all, and still yeah. just kept. Well, it's funny because then Tucker Carlson was saying shit is like. Why is it a surprise now that millennials prefer socialism? Well, if you look at the economics of it, and like right. he's, it's like he's smart enough to know like where what the motivations are generationally, that's right. and yeah, I think that's, that's exactly where right. that's how you that's where it gets dangerous. Yeah, because if exactly. some people are like, well, you know, Tucker Carlson got a point about that. I mean, I'm not a person of color or you know in a in a marginalized group, but what he's saying about like my class thing, that's facts. Yeah. So. And he knows how to be a messy bitch who loves drama. Like oh, when yeah. he co- accused the New York Times of giving away, like doxing him. And, oh yeah, uh, okay. Give it a rest. Yeah. Do you guys know what you're gonna do for Halloween? How you're gonna celebrate? I haven't. Stay I literally in. have not thought about it once. In fact, the first time I thought about Halloween was about 30 seconds ago when you started talking about the Beverly Hills. Me too. Thing. The, Jack, I even forgot that we were even in October when I was like down, like in the summer. I was like, "Oh shit, we're about to hit three years." Because yeah, that was twenty seventeen. I yeah. just realized we were in fucking October, right? Right. Now. We just passed. and isn't yeah. Halloween on like a Friday or Saturday this year? Would have been. It's great. a full moon and it's a blue moon. It's the second uh, full moon of October, which is moon. it's gonna be, and it's uh, Halloween during a pandemic. Uh, my neighborhood gets a lot of trick or treaters, so we have to like figure out what we're gonna do. Um, yeah, what are what are you gonna do? I think just put like a bench out that just says like "see you next year," but then and then just hope people aren't too mad. But mm. I also think like nobody, like none of our neighbors are planning on like doing trick or treating. So I was so excited on New Year's for 2020. I was one of those guys who was like, "2020 is the year." 2020 <laughs> is when like the our symmetry. lives will change. The country will change. We're going to get a new leader. Everything's going to be great. Blah, blah, blah. And then like, wow. Just like. Life comes at you quick. I've gotten rocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's rough. And it's rough the, on those trick-or-treaters. The naive hope of New Year's, December 31st. I, I can't even remember what the, where the fuck I was on New Year's. Part of me wants to get the PVC pipe and drop the candy down from the second floor. Like yeah. down a slide, 
Not a bad idea. Which would be idea. dope, but then it's like... Bust some kid's head open. Yeah, like it's and like also... It's like terminal velocity. <laughs> <laughs> Just like firing them. Here comes some uh, jawbreakers, kids. But you're also like putting pressure on your neighbors to then like come up with some strategy. And also it's like I for the people receiving the candy, like do they want to receive candy from like some house, you know, that's like but also what do they do? Knock knock on the PVC pipe? Doom, doom, doom. Yeah. Oh, the in my neighborhood, like you just sit out front and there's a line. Like people, oh my god! Up. Oh, it's so you're wild. like one of those mobile games, like those mobile zombie games where you have the machine gun mowing down zombies. Exactly. Where it's like walls of enemies, it's <laughs> like walls of trick or treaters. A turret of candy. Yeah, yeah. Now oh shit! Knows, there you go, candy turret. Everybody yeah. knows Jack doesn't live in Beverly Hills now. That's yeah, one thing yeah. We know. yeah. That's that's and that's his for own damn shame. sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I've never lived in an LA neighborhood that. Felt like that, at least not in the street. That felt like that. I've nah. always felt like like it was dead. I've always yeah. lived in or like yeah. I've always lived in a neighborhood where I had to go to another neighborhood uh-huh. to trick or treat. Uh huh. I never yeah. lived in like the lit trick or treating neighborhood. Yeah, we did the we did the when I was a kid. We did the pillowcases and we mm-hmm. got on, oh yeah we, who didn't and Hell we yeah. got on, we got on bikes. Yeah. Oh shit. So we we would go down to a street, run up and down the street. It was not about fun. It was about who gets yeah. the most candy. numbers. Yeah, numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's always funny. Yeah, churn, you always, churn. There's yeah. always that group of kids that is like sprinting full speed sprinting. when everyone else is like, you know, parents are drinking beers and you're like, what the fuck was that? A bunch of <laughs> fucking minions ran by me in T Rexes. Yeah. No, for yeah. us it was like, how many pillowcases can I get? Yeah, right. To the did point, you, yo, did you ever bring them to school? Did it ever? Some people like, yo, check this out. And just lay down the heavy bag on you, and like getting in trouble. That like the teacher's like, you can't bring this shit here. What are, what are you doing? I also grew up in upstate New York, where it was freezing by Halloween. Oh like, yeah, so cold. Yeah. So people, your bike had snow chain tires. Oh my god, and we would we, we would have like parkas on, you know, like a yeah. parka over your ninja costume or whatever. Right. But it was yeah. like. You know, and, so and you just look like a ninja for? warming up on the sidelines, <laughs> right? And I, I'm forgetting the brand, but there was like a really popular brand of puffy coat that I think was like First Ascent or something like that. Uh, it wasn't North Face because we couldn't afford North Face. It was like sure, yeah, yeah. whatever mountain was under the the bootleg version of that, and First Gear or something. Oh God, I'm gonna remember it. But anyway, I remember like all the old people like, well, what are you supposed to be this year? And I was like, I'm cold. Give me yeah, right. candy and shut I'm in up. a rush, motherfucker. Let's now give go. me this fucking Butterfinger. God yeah. damn it. When are you going to get king size? The neighbors got him up the street, man. You look poor <laughs> as fuck. I got to go. And back in the yeah. day, they would give you um, a plastic baggie with homemade cookies sometimes. And I was Whoa. like, oh, nowadays, fuck. no way. Now, no, no one would eat that nowadays. Oh, yeah, because I remember like when edibles, like weed edibles started, and like that's always like the trick du jour clickbait for conservative Who moms. Who is it's handing like, out? Weed edibles. Drugs. Everyone's like too expensive, too expensive. <laughs> yeah. I'm wasting what? on no fucking kid. You dumb. Better watch out. Look the at the labels that I'm handing right. kids. Like what five milligram chocolate covered blueberries or something like that. Is yes, like, those are expensive and I love them. Yeah, like, you know how much a tin of chocolate covered kivas cost. Exactly. I'm not balling out of control, and I wouldn't waste it on a 12 year old dressed as spider. Fuck whoever. Because when I go, I'm always is. like, I always go and uh, throw in a couple of uh, chocolate covered Kiva tints too, the blueberries. And they're like, okay, $454. Like, okay, <laughs> oh. you know what? Let's get rid of those. I'll just take <laughs> the rolling papers. <laughs> no weed? Nah, nah, nah. How much nah. is that? Uh, that's $400. Yeah, three, $360. Damn. <laughs> you know, that um, story probably was born out of some fucking parent 
whose kid found it and had to be quick on their feet. Like, oh my God, someone must have given this to, holy shit, you really don't know who our neighbors are. You really don't. Some Ferris Bueller-ass little kid whose gullible-ass parents are like, I'm calling the local news. This is bad (laughs) enough. They gave him a whole bong. Um, Yeah. A lit blunt. I can't believe it. (laughs) Uh Halloween cookies, though the the uh, ones that are like basically ones. butter that go yeah. around that it go they're like little uh, uh, Just slice them off cupcakes right? that go around the uh, around the uh, Reese's cup the mini Reese's cup you know that one oh yes oh, yes yeah, yes when you put it in oh, yeah yeah Woo! that shit is mm. damn shout out to I those would... baked goods yeah yeah Halloween um, hot. Halloween has some good baked goods associated with it. Yeah. Uh, we all you know, know what? I think Christmas. that's what I'll do. I'm just going to buy one of those Pillsbury tubes where you slice off the cookies, like the, the pumpkin ones. <laughs> yeah. And just eat like three of those, oh, smoke yeah. a blunt, uh, and watch watch some like fucking Arsenal highlights, and we're yeah. good to go, baby. Yeah. Play a little Halloween music's pretty fun, too. There's like some good spooky jams. Mm-hmm. Always My favorite feel like Halloween somebody's song. watching me. Thriller, Monster Mash. Monster Mash is a jam. Yeah, we were playing that this morning <laughs> in my house. It Yo, was a paybox. Hey, is there a Dave Matthews uh, Halloween album? There is a Dave I, Matthews creepy song. It's called And Another Thing. There's oh, also God. a Dave Matthews song called Halloween, I think. There is. Which, yeah. And there's a Dave Matthews song called Warehouse is kind of creepy too. Um, but the And Another Thing is weird. It's the song where like he's just like, Oh, and it's just—it's really weird. It's on the crash. I just, album. Looked, I just looked up the the lyrics to Halloween, and like, <laughs> like this could be just a random word generator's version of Dave Matthews lyrics. The first verse: "Hey, little dreamers, eyes open and staring up at me." It's like that's, that's <laughs> I just love that such song. a Dave Matthews ass lyric. He's like, hey, uh, little dreamer's eyes. <laughs> oh, little lonely eyes, open and radiant. Hell yeah, Dave. Stay with what you do. Dave knows what he does. It's, he knows what he's good at, and he does it. Is Halloween about being rejected three times after proposing marriage? Is it? I don't, I don't know. Like, when you look at like people's like uh, like genius analysis of the lyrics, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> Why this lonely? Why this lonely love? That's. I wonder if course. artists. Yeah, that's that's not very Halloween. Their... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Took a turn there, Dave. I wonder if artists look at their genius though uh, interpretations and are like, really? Oh, huh? Okay, interesting. Cool. Good. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back, Beverly Hills. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about Halloween in Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills. That's where, where I want. Dude. 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 All right, um, dude. Weezer, bring us back, Weezer. Uh, yeah, they are. They have officially ruined Halloween. Now, this is more of a local story for us, uh, Angelinos, because uh, Mayor Garcetti excited. of L.A. He first started off with the city of Los Angeles being like, yo, no trick think, or oh, we're trick or treating. You bet. Oh, hell no. It's a fucking pandemic. We're not trick or treating. I don't give a fuck what you said. Uh, cut to three hours later. Okay. I am sorry. Uh, do your own thing, LA. 
my bad. Didn't mean to like try and look out for y'all as a, as the fucking mayor. Really, all they did just said is like they would actually would av- advise against it. That's that's what they went from being like it ain't happening to like we're gonna say like don't do that. But that's I don't. We'll see what happens in Beverly Hills though. You know, in that little enclave. The mayor is not fucking playing around, and it is a very specific the ban on trick or treating in, um, in <laughs> Beverly so Hills. Weird. It says specifically giving candy, toys, or treats to anyone outside one's household is prohibited, no matter if the handouts pass through a front door or the trunk of a car. The latter being known as trunk or treating. Um, they also said the city is banned has banned quote spring shaving cream on others end quote though it gave licensed barbers an exemption. Thank God. Beverly Hills residents can also feel free to spray cream mem- spray cream members of their own households within those households. What is the what mayor the most concerned fucking specific? parent on earth? <laughs> what happened to the mayor <laughs> with the shaving cream? Somebody like, sprayed shaving cream. Yeah, on him, someone clearly. they they got that shaving cream prick and just have never recovered. Yeah. Their whole career has been an excuse to legislate uh, people's ability to. Sh- to spray cream each other. Um, I don't, it's, it doesn't even, it's so specific. Like in the actual wording of this, you know, from the city, bam, boom, house to house trick-or-treating or car to car trick-or-treating. The second thing that's prohibited is spraying shaving cream on <laughs> I mean, I get it. You're getting like a bunch of possibly contaminated like liquids on your face or some shit and it's around, but like at it seems like such an overly, overly. I don't, I don't understand. I never it. even did that shit. Yeah, no. The only time I used shaving cream was the with the prank where you put it on someone's hand and then tickle their nose at a sleepover. Uh, and I think right. I that's punishable by death in Beverly Hills. Yeah, 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 yeah. That will put you will get put away for a. So cut your nose off time. for that shit. All right, that's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, means the world to Miles. He, he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.